0: Hey, this is More Than Velocity, and this is the second part with Backyard Baseball. We've got both of the founders uh, on today. Uh, we've got Kyle Bogies, and joining us again, is uh, joining us this time is R.C. Orland, and, and he was on vacation, but glad to have him back. Definitely wanted to do two parts because they've got some players that we want to specifically talk about some of the improvements they've been making and, uh, you know, kind of what the program and what gains they're seeing and why, and uh, I think it's going to be a good one. We're going to talk about pitchers, and we're going to talk about... Uh, you know utility players and, and why arm care works for both and uh, it's going to be interesting so Jordan I don't know if you want to set it up or uh, what are you thinking here
1: yeah obviously you know Kyle already has run through his intro so let's go ahead and get RC on his kind of give his uh, his his background as a player a coach and kind of how he got involved
2: perfect yeah I appreciate the intro there guys uh, again my name RC Orland uh, I went to uh, Deep Run High School in Richmond Virginia I was was drafted late, uh, 40th round to the Dodgers out of high school, Uh, chose to attend UNC Chapel Hill instead, Uh, played there for three years, got to pitch in the College World Series, uh, two appearances against Vanderbilt in 2011, was then drafted by the Nationals in 2012. I tore my UCL the day before the draft. Uh, We were pitching at home uh, against ECU in the regional, two outs in the eighth, was about to turn it over to the our closer Mike Moran, who's had a pretty successful big league career. We know Mike, yeah. Yeah, we know Mike. Yeah, big fan of, of Mike. Um, so he came, and he actually came to visit last year uh, in January for our fir- first pitch banquet. And so I'm not sure if you guys were with him beforehand or not, uh, but I said, hey, this is something you know you definitely need, especially as he's recovering and working on that on ramp, you know, back to peak velocity. Um, so I'm glad he's you know big fan of the program as well and um tore my ucl with two outs Uh, i threw another pitch and looked down at my elbow and said you know that's a problem so uh again it was a pretty pretty stressful uh draft i was eight and one with a 2-2 era had much higher expectations from where i landed obviously when you're getting calls from scouts and saying hey we you know we have seen your mri not really sure what's going on um we're gonna we're gonna pass um so i wasn't sure if i was gonna get drafted Uh, i got a call from uh, the the Nationals uh, met with them um, in D.C. found out you know that my UCL was torn, and so after my surgery, I was trying to figure out why, uh, you know, what happened, what's out there, you know, what what can I acquire quantitative or qualitative information to figure out what was going on, and at the time in 2011 there there wasn't a lot, so my journey of trying to figure this whole thing out was tons of internet searches, YouTube searches, you know, a- anything that I gave get my hands on. And so I learned a little bit, um, but that kind of started my quest for how this whole thing works. And over the last, I guess we're almost 10 years now, uh, because of the amount of data we have access to, uh, the transition's a lot different, which is great. And um, again, I get to tell that story of where I was, you know, why I got hurt, and then most importantly, protect players' arms. From going through the same experience that I did.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and you guys have been, I know we talked about it in the last podcast, but you've been running backyard baseball for a couple of years and, and uh, it's grown into teams now and some other things. And, and, you know, how excited are you about the future of your facility?
2: Oh man, it's been so exciting. Um, so we'll send you some pictures of, of the old lab in the backyard. Um, I'm sure Kyle went over this last time, but, he gave he gave me a call. Uh, we ran a couple of camps together and he said, hey, you know, it, you know, I want to basically get the gang back together. I was like, man, you know, I, I don't know if I want to go into coaching. Um, and he sent me two videos of players and I saw their mechanics and said, OK, I, I really felt like I was doing a disservice to the players to not get involved, knowing that there were mechanical adjustments that we could easily fix on the fly. And so that's how we got started You know, in the backyard and then ultimately grew in less than two years to 7,500 square feet, which is really exciting. Uh, we ran 19 assessments in November, and that doesn't include the eight players that joined our 11U team. So we've had tons of growth. And I really think it's because of the information that we we give the players so that they can make data-driven decisions for what's best for their career. And you guys play a huge part of that foundation without a doubt. So Every player comes through with an assessment, gets cleared to throw. And the first thing we do is check their range of motion, strength, and their scat patterns right away before anything else. So, um, again, to say that you guys aren't a foundation of our success you know, would be an absolute lie.
0: And that's every player that walks in the door?
2: Every player on the team. It's mandatory. It's included in our package for whatever reason. If somebody said we're not interested in doing this, then they're not a good fit for our program because we have to put health first, um, especially on top of the gains that players are seeing at such a you know quick growth and time period. We have to make sure that their arm's able to accelerate and decelerate healthy, you know, with those gains and that added stress that we're putting on the arm. So again, if if we see those you know, strength to velocity numbers in the warning or the red, you know, it's a totally different conversation on how that assessment goes versus just yeah. a player. Oh, I took three weeks off. You know, let's get off the mound and
1: throw all out and see what you got. So real quick, you said all players get the assessment when they come through. And obviously you're talking about pitchers getting on the mound, doing things like that. It's not just pitchers that you work with. I've had some cool discussions with Kyle going over some position players specifically. I don't know if it's too early to jump into some of that data, but we get a ton of questions about, you know, well, why should I do this as a third baseman? Why should I do this as an outfielder? And I think you guys have a really cool case study and you have some cool stuff to show. If you guys, can we jump into that now? Or is that a, is that not the right time?
0: I definitely want to jump into it, but I want Ryan to just quickly go into why position players need arm care. And then maybe you can talk about how it is a little different. The program is a little different for pitchers and utility players. So Ryan, why don't you take that first?
3: Uh, Me or. Yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. So. For for position players, it's not really unlike pitchers, and in 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 fact, they make longer throws during a game, um, and they also in training should be you know throwing at base distance, you know, or further, you know, if you're an outfielder. The the element that's so important for any athlete is to understand if there is an injury to the throwing arm, what is the future outcomes. And what people don't know, and it's a study that I published a while ago, a few years ago now, I think it was two or three years ago, is that position players come back worse than pitchers. So most pitchers um, at the time, they come back at about an 85% level. That means that they get back to their uh, initial ability. When it comes to position players um it goes infielders outfielders and catchers and the infielders they're all under 70% and the catchers are just touching 50%. and so you know people don't really realize um you know whatever it is whether they lose range of motion during their rehabilitation or you know the throwing demands are are greater in some ways um it's really unknown but we need to prioritize this for position players too. as a one it was an issue we had with the angels. We had a lot of position player uh, throwing arm injuries. And when I came in, I realized they weren't doing anything. Um and if they did, the arm care was at the end, and it was called a finisher. And uh, the position players at the end of their lifts, they were finished. They didn't do it. So you know I, it, it's a priority. Um, and it follows along the same as pitchers. I mean, you need to have a balanced shoulder. You need to have one that doesn't fatigue. Um, and you have to have one that recovers and bounces back. That comes through having a, a high amount of fitness in the throwing arm.
2: Uh, that's extremely well said. I'd just like to add a couple of comments since you brought up pro ball. Um, at the highest, you know, at the pro ball level, most of the teams take in and out almost every day, or at least five or six times a week. Mm-hmm. So for the outfielders alone, You know, that's two throws to second, two thirds to third, two throws to home, you know, at max effort every single day with one day off a week, if you're lucky. And so you compound that with the in-game throws and all the warm-ups, And like you said, it adds up quickly and it, it gets very overlooked. I had multiple players just make a couple throws and we're in the bullpen and just kind of shrug their shoulders and roll their eyes and just say, man, like my arm, you know, isn't where it needs to be. And again, it's because it's, it's not built into their day-to-day life and it, it gets extremely overlooked. And then one other thing about the recovery and the on-ramping that you mentioned is we worked with a couple of players that came to us after they were initially hurt. And after they were cleared from physical therapy, their program was essentially done. There were, there were no checkups. There were no programs being built in from the foundational level pre and post. And so, like you said, if they haven't made adjustments to their mechanics and all they did was, you know, strength and range of motion for three to four months. All that st- good stuff that they did is now eliminated because you stopped doing it. And so, you know, we've called you guys, you know, our PT in our pocket. And we really get to eliminate, we'll say, the, the lack of just programming of saying, hey, you know, I was hurt. Now I'm fixed, but, you know, I'm, I haven't changed anything. And I'm not fixing the overall problem.
1: Yeah. And real, mm-hmm. real quick, just something that popped in my head. I just sent Bart and Ryan a video of my guys playing catch in the snow. We started out and obviously we're in a bad weather area. You know, we we go out there we're, it's sunny and you know, our motto where I live is, Hey, at six to eight, 8.00 AM, it's winter from 10 to roughly two it's spring. And then anything after that is just hit or miss depending on where we're at. So we got out there at sunshine and you know, rainbows, everything looks great. Five minutes into throwing, we were in a blanket of, of, you know, two inches of snow everywhere. So with that, we're not going to be able to get outside for a little while. So with that, you know, you're saying these guys are getting in there, they're throwing, they're going, man, my arm's not where it needs to be at. That's where we're putting that priority on, you know, those two way players, position players, pitchers only. It's like, we got to set a foundation when we're inside and we can't throw past 90 feet for X amount of time to set that strength, make sure we're monitoring that range of motion. Like you said, the PT in the pocket in a sense, Let's set that foundation and keep building. So when we do start making those full distance throws, we're not in a position of failure, but we've set ourselves up for success.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not a biomechanist, but it seems to me you've got you've got these fielders that are making max effort throws and they're not they could be moving in one direction or the other. The variability that's going on with those guys when they're making these max effort throws is, is quite high or can be in a game environment. So they have to be strong. They have to be stable um, to handle that stress.
4: I'm just going to jump in really quick. And also, like you said, the variability is not just – it's when you're pitching, right, you have your set mechanics. You'll see a third baseman run over, jump, and throw it as hard as you can almost all arm just off the back foot yep. you know yep. and it's a completely different situation and the the thing is so with our players it doesn't matter like I know you wanted to say like differences in the program there's not like you know you'll have your differences on amount of you know if it's a pitch off the mound versus simulated long toss versus like you know <clears throat> across the diamond Um, well across the turf field inside (laughs) but essentially their arm care is going to be the exact same every time um we or not every time but based off of how much they threw you know uh the the protocol is the same and and to ryan's point really quick is with the the lifting something i noticed as well is like when people are finished with their lift they're tired they don't want to do the accessory muscle stuff with the you know arm care and the bands and Anything like three pound weight and less, um, so we actually build that into their lifts as well. It's like this is part of your lift. You have to have this done before you can leave. Yeah. So I yep. just wanted to throw that in as well.
0: Well, let's um, let's talk about a case study. You were telling us about a a shortstop. Um, let's jump in. Who wants to Who wants to start? R.C.
2: Yeah, I can start. Um, so there's there's two kids I want to address today. Uh, one's an infielder, one's an outfielder. Just so you guys um, who are listening can get the you know the whole view of saying, hey, position players need this from the infield and outfield. Uh, so we've got one kid uh, out of collegiate in Richmond, Virginia. His name's Hartley Raman. Plays you know plays showcase baseball at the highest level. He's being recruited you know, somewhere in the in the mid D1 level right now. And as you guys know for the most part, shortstops are the ones being recruited at the highest level. And then they're the most athletic usually and they move you around to second short, you know, outfield wherever. And, um, you know, his his bat's there, um, but he's been told by multiple college coaches that, you know, his arm strength's not there for shortstop. So that's really gonna, you know, eliminate him from, you know, the left side of the infield. Um, his, his dad's quote said, you know, he can't shovel the ball to first base right now. Um, and so, We came in for a standard assessment a couple weeks ago, Kyle ran through it. It starts off with the arm care app. You know, so we go through strength range of motion grip strength. Kyle looks at his scaps. We look at his total mobility, you know, ankles, hips, knees, things like that. And saying, okay, is there anything just from the foundational level that needs to be built into his program right away before we even start looking at throws. And then from there, We go through, if he's ready for max effort strength, so for short stops, do either a double shuffle, crow hop, or a pull down where we see, hey, at max effort, as close to game speed, what are we working with? And then from there, we slow it down to roughly 1,000 frames per second, and then go through, I don't know, probably 20 to 30 checkpoints in the assessment of saying, hey, here's your drift. Are you getting into your back leg? Are your hips opening up on time? Is your top half closed? Is your arm late? Did you load your scap? or you know, your back leg and your front leg both clawing back and into each other? Things of that nature. And so Kyle sits down with the kid and the parent one-on-one and goes through exactly everything that we see. <clears throat> and then we build the program out from there with the different drills to, to fix, you know, we'll say the inefficiencies. And then from there, we compare and contrast VLO. And then also we compare and contrast arm strength. So I think we're testing players once every two weeks on the arm care app and, you know, Oh, Kyle, you can correct me there. So we test them weekly, which I'm a bigger fan of anyway. Um, so just edit out my lie. And, um, (laughs) uh, he, uh, on a pull down partly came in at 82, made a couple mechanical adjustments, um, added some arm strength, which we'll show you guys and pulled down 87 within two weeks. Um, which wow. is you know, very exciting. One of the bigger gains we've seen, which is great. But again, it, it's not just about the gains. It's about the players understanding what they did differently, how to work, understanding the way their body moves. So then this way, when they're not with us training in the lab and they go out and play games, they know exactly what's supposed to go on. The expectations are there and they understand what's going on. Um, so you know, it, it's great that it's a, they see these gains in house, but if we can't translate that to the field where it ultimately matters most, uh, th- then it's just not ultimately the result that Kyle and I are
1: looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, real quick on that. We've seen a lot of our Division One programs who were kind of, you know, using the arm care stuff last season. They just ran pitchers only. Now this year they're starting to run position players on it as well. A lot of those groups are going, we want the whole roster on there. Because every single coach, whether you're a manager, pitching coach, You know, defensive, whatever it is, you look back and you're like, man, there's that one bang, bang play that turned into a three run inning as opposed to getting that out and we stop it. And there's always like that one you look back on and that cost us a game or that cost us a series that spiraled out of control here. And if you can just go back and change that one thing to where if if every guy's throwing two miles an hour harder, you're going to convert more outs. If every guy's throwing five miles an hour harder, you're going to convert more outs all of a sudden instead of going first to third if you have outfielders that can get that ball into the cut with some aggression now you have first and second on singles as opposed to first and third scenarios so you you really cut things down to stop big innings when you just have guys that are number one throwing harder and then obviously better arm strength you're going to be more healthy so just a random side note we are seeing a lot more uh guys build into that on the position player side as well and you know I want to get into that case study obviously cuz it's pretty cool there, no, that's really there was just Oh. sorry. There's just something I want to add
3: on this topic, and um, it happens a lot in the youth levels. Is that there's a ton of two-way players, and uh, and that's also something you know we have to consider with our athletes is that they're going to have excessive workload, you know, at 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 the younger uh, age groups, and that's just one of the things I love about what you guys do is that you're developing habits for these kids you know, so that they can maintain arm strength. And especially if they slide out of being a pitcher and they go back to shortstop or, you know, another position that's going to have kind of more high traffic with, with uh, making plays. So um, I do want our, you know, listeners to to know this, you know, if you got a kid who's a two-way player, this is essential.
2: Uh, you're exactly right. And, and just to relay the message one more time for those listeners at home, every player that comes through for an assessment gets the test, it's mandatory. Every player that comes through for the program, it's mandatory, um, and that's never gonna change. Um, but Jordan, brought uh, oh, sorry, Bart. I was, I was
0: gonna ask, how how's Hartley and his father feeling these days?
2: It was good. I uh, I sent him a message after the first week and said, I'm sorry about the bad results. Just let me know where to, where to send the refund. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so no, they're pumped. Uh, they're, they're here for life. You know, it's been a, it's been an awesome two weeks for those guys so they're really excited um, before we close the book on outs um, Jordan was there any um I guess translation for how hard O'Neill Cruz is throwing across the infield for college coaches to say oh you know throwing a hundred miles an hour across the infield does make a difference because I saw some things you know on Twitter with the data of the extra outs that he gets from throwing harder and so I wonder if if that's relayed any messages to Coaches at home saying, oh, it, yeah. you know, the velocity does make a
1: difference. You know, I don't know on that end of it. I know, I don't know if it's specifically related to Cruz in general, but I know a lot of guys are going, hey, our pitchers are throwing harder. What's the harm in having my shortstop throw harder or my second baseman throw harder on double plays? Because that that people don't realize the second baseman, you know, they usually put them there because, oh, you know, weaker arm, we'll put them over on that right side of the field. You're making tons of throws that need to be fast and quick because there's a sure man and a quick man on double plays the second baseman in most of those double plays is always the quick man he has to be the guy getting the ball off quick and aggressive from a feed from short or from third base or when that ball's coming in from you know ground ball over to the right side first base goes to second base going back to first base he's got to be the one who's throwing that ball hard so people don't really put that into perspective on stuff and generally they're going to be that lead cut guy on the furthest the throws on the field so they got to be the one with the better arm when it comes down to it so depending on how you run your cuts and relays, random side note, we could go off on a tangent on that as well. And that's not the purpose of this. Um, but when it comes down to it, we've had a lot of guys coming in there going, Yeah, this is a difference maker. And at the pro level, when they're drafting guys that it's like, eh, he's iffy on the bat, but this guy has a cannon from across the diamond. We can always maybe try him as a pitcher later on. I know from the pro level, they're definitely looking at that stuff and they're going, worst case scenario, he throws a hundred across the diamond. Maybe we can get ninety-five out of the mound. So for 100%, they're looking at it on the pro level. I know they look at it to an extent at college. I mean, we had some guys that were uh, uh, at our level play. I know Ryan refers to it as the Ivy League of the West Coast on a regular <laughs> basis, where I was at um, at Vanguard University. You know, But you know, we would take guys in the outfield that had good arms, guys in the infield that had good arms. It's like, hey, best case scenario, maybe they can get an out or two for us if, if we really have to. So 100% guys are looking at that.
2: No, you're, yeah. you're exactly right. Uh, the first person that comes to mind in that situation is Rowan Wick. Um, I played against him in court season. It, I think he was the best hitter I've ever seen at the time. I think he hit like 340 with like 10 home runs in 20 games or something. I thought he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, and then two or three years later, I saw him as a reliever, I think for the Cubs or the maybe the Cardinals. Um, so, like you said, that's top of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one person that – Again, that I saw make the transition to the big leagues from being a position player to a pitcher.
0: Cool. So, who's the? Uh, let's talk about the outfielder. You've been working. Yeah. For.
2: So, um, again, I I, I want to see your database to see who's got the the strongest total arm strength. Um, his name's Nolan Cruz. He gained fourteen miles an hour in nine months. Um, he's our spark plug at five five nine. I don't know, 190 pounds. I'm probably going to butcher that, and he's going to yell at me for butchering it. Probably 200 okay. all muscle. Yeah. Um, it looks I think like he broke, me, then. Exactly. Same yeah. guy. Same guy. Um, I think he broke the Virginia State like deadlift record or something at his no. age. Yeah, this
1: guy is, is pretty much me, yeah. <laughs> Same <record>. uh. guy. <laughs> um,
2: and so he came in um, at 74 miles an hour, and his arm always hurt. Um, and so, you know, Kyle basically took him under his wing, and um, he followed the program to a T. I'll let Kyle go into that um, in a little bit. But he went from seventy-four to to eighty-eight in, in nine months on a pull-down. Um, and we'll send you we'll send you the celebration video of that one at the old lab. It was uh, it was very exciting, it's legendary. Yeah. <laughs> so so Kyle, I'm not sure what he did mechanically and things. I'll let you
4: relay that. Yeah. So I mean, his. Uh, one of his biggest things as it is with a lot of kids is, you know, they don't get a lot of rotation out of their hips from a certain point. Once they land, they're not continue to rotate and, you know, lead leg lockout. Um, Even from the outfield, you're still going to lock out your lead leg. It helps project the upper body over the front side and really whip the ball through kind of give you that extra oomph at the end. Um, So he would, kind of what you would say is like collapse his back knee or drive it inwards towards the hips. And that's a huge issue we see not only with outfielders and infielders, but pitchers as well. So really working on that was a huge part of it. The other part was just being closed at landing, completely open at landing. Like uh, his his was very minor adjustments. and the But the biggest piece of anything is – I mean, this kid was 16, and he set the national squat record uh, with, like, 595 or something. And he was so tight from wrestling, all these other sports, never stretched. So, essentially, I was like, I want you to follow the arm care protocol pretty much five days a week, right? Six if you can, but, you know, it's okay to take two days off. Uh, We're separated two days on, one day off, three days on, one day off um and then just making sure that you know you're going through the mechanical part but his arm was hurt so I didn't want him to throw so he didn't throw a single baseball weighted ball anything whatsoever um did this for 2 months along with some mobility work where we really opened up his pecs uh, uh really worked on his lats uh around like where the Terry's area is um, really getting his flexibility and range of motion Um, and then we did a three-week on-ramp where we started out with baseballs for a week and slowly built up uh, from like 50% effort at 25 throws um, and then incorporated weighted balls to kind of help with getting a little bit more layback Uh, but again like you know, every ball has a purpose, if you will, you know, the two pound ball, I will never tell a guy, Hey, go throw this as hard as you can. That is the, in my mind, the dumbest thing you could do personally. Um, I think essentially it helps with getting more layback. The weight helps the arm fall back. Right. And if you're going through your mechanics, nice, smooth, 50%, you're going to get that layback. And it's almost like a stretch, if you will, you know, um, through active movement. Now, we did that for another, you know, during that time as well. Uh, finally, we get to the point where, okay, we're going to go 100% today. And I believe it was when y'all came to the lab to that, that, uh, shoot our first, like, video.
0: Right.
4: And he pulled down, like, 84 on, like, his first pulldown, which is yeah. a nine-mile-an-hour game in two months without touching a baseball or like actually training to throw, like, you know, like that, if you will. Um, So he was super pumped. And then we were continuing to work. Um, You know, he had in-season. So we try to just maintain in-season. We're not trying to make a ton of gains there. It's maintain flexibility, maintain your weight, maintain your strength, uh, your explosive power, um, and your velocity. You know, over time I've learned during the season with traveling and school and You know, everything that's going on in life, it's really easy to lose, uh, you know, your calorie count, your, you know, uh, your weight, which turns into losing strength, which turns into, you know, this being off and this being off. So there's so many checkpoints. So that's like a big part. And he was he was perfect with it. Um, He played a little bit during the summer, too. And finally, we were like, dude, we need you to come in and train. Like, let's get you ready for college. You know, you're a freshman this year. Like, let's get you ready. So he put in two hard work, two uh, hard months of effort, pulls down 88. Uh, and Like, we were so pumped, like, jump up. Ah! It's, it's like a legendary video. And we didn't even, like, plan that out. It was, just, like, timed up perfectly where we both spin around and look at each other like, oh, it was – I love it, man. I get so hyped for him because I will tell you this, like, you know, we've had tons of kids come in here, nobody – like I don't think anybody in this world works as hard as that kid. Like he puts everything into it every day. He will do whatever you say if he trusts you, you know. And that was a big part is gaining his trust and then kind of helping him lead. And I think like more than anything, you know, when his arm was hurting and I was like, hey, don't throw a baseball. That he was like, but this is a like I thought we were doing velocity training. I was like, I am. Don't throw a baseball. And I think it kind of, like, blew his mind. I was like, do the arm care app. So, like, y'all have a ton of credit in that aspect, uh, which I thank you for because not only is he, like, one of the the most amazing players I've ever coached and uh, puts in the most effort, but he's actually becoming one of the best coaches and mentors for the younger players. You know, when they see him working hard, when he goes over and helps them when they're not doing something right. You know, that's what, like, it's like, it's becoming, you know, a trickle down effect through him to the next guy, to the next guy. And that's, that's more than I can ask for, because I'm like pushing it towards like we together collectively are pushing it towards the next generation of coaches and players, you know?
0: Yeah. I love that story. That's awesome. I mean, and it just goes to show that there's, you can always be making progress somewhere and uh, and I appreciate you, you know, giving us some credit there but but you understanding what's going on and and saying hey you're just not going to throw and and we're going to do this and we're still going to be making progress that's a huge testament to the mm-hmm. type of facility you guys have created there so you should be proud of that
4: well i appreciate it and just in my defense it's only because i got hurt so many times like <laughs> I, I got hey, what hurt makes so good much. coaches
1: is not knowing what to do it's knowing what not to do that's the big yeah. thing
4: it really is man and I want when he gets back from college for Christmas break, he, I need him to come on here. You're going to love him if you're cool with that. I yeah. like it, do it for me, please. Like, he is, you're going to awesome love him. Story. Pretty much, if you took Rafael Palmero and said, like, this is your child, that's what he looks like. He's got like the whole <laughs> curly Q mullet thing going on with just the stash. It's beautiful. Hmm. <laughs> so, I have a side by side. I'll send it to you, Jordan, and you can show everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that's awesome hey listen i'm gonna take this is this has been awesome i'm gonna put up a lot of stuff on this video and put some links if we can't do them over the lays, so everybody can check this out these are great case studies uh definitely um want to have you guys back on and keep following up and just talking about different things um we touched on a lot of cool stuff there i'll even link to some i know we've got some arm care iqs that are talking about the serape infected stuff that was comes in a part to that rotational aspect that you were talking about with with this guy and and uh And this has been great. So, you know, anybody, Ryan, you got any last words you want to say before we we jump out of here?
3: No, it was great. I love that we're talking about position players because my throwing arm held me back, and um, I don't want that happening for them. That's for sure.
0: Very cool. Well, hey, I appreciate it again, and until next time, take care, guys.